don't engage alone. We do this together. Welcome to Under Two Capes. I'm Jared. I'm here with Taladia and Nick. What's up, gentlemen? What is up? What is up? And today we are pivoting toward a little bit of a more marvelous topic. I'm doing a a Nick pun right there. And we're going to each give... So we're going to talk about A, our favorite Marvel characters. And B, we're going to discuss why Marvel characters specifically are iconic. So... Who would like to go first with their list of Marvel characters? I nominate Taladia. Yeah, I want to go first. Okay, Taladia, <laughs> go ahead. So my first top number one is Spider-Man. Okay. Of all time. The reason behind that is because I grew up with this Spider-Man, the animated series in the 90s. Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Very iconic. Shocker! Uh, Shocker! I'll take you to the end of the ass. And then there's also the video games as well with mm. Spider-Man, Marvel Spider-Man video games. Oh, you mean the ones you pancaked in? You guys won't let that go, will you? No. Here, here's how. Here's how. How 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 much I'm never gonna let you down. When we finally all meet up, like three or four years later, and and we're and we're eating we're at a restaurant, pancakes. We're going out. For no, pancakes. no, no. We're we're gonna take you to IHOP, International House of Pancakes. And it's like, oh yeah, and we're I'm gonna order for you, Taladia, and it'll be like, okay, he'll have the he'll have the pancakes, he'll have the spider, and then we're gonna go on a day when they have a very special Spider Man day, so we can get you a Spider Man pancake. Just wait until it's your turn, Jared. Next week, Arkham Knight. Yeah, and yeah. Well, I, I mean, uh, you literally I mean, can't pancake in that game. Also, Taladia. Yeah. Um, that 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 same trip to IHOP. I'm gonna like I'm gonna meet the waitress, be like slipper like a twenty, and say, "Hey, I'm, I'm Jared. Jared's pancakes. Can you have the the third person write Wonder Bat on syrup?" I send it back. <laughs> but anyway, so who would be worth it though? It'd be worth but, it. So who's your yeah. second favorite? So my second favorite has to be Wolverine. Ah, oh, yes, iconic, of course, and the fact I that mean, he's the best he is at what he does, and what he does ain't nice. He's made of adamantium, so it's like, yes, obviously number two. Number three on my list, pretty surprising for you guys, is an actual Brit. It's Captain Britain. No! Several representation. Really? My friend from Britain likes Captain Britain. I would have never anticipated that. Yeah. Because he's British, and I can kind of relate to the character. (laughs) Um, number four. Now, this one, this one might take you for a curveball. Hyperion, played by Henry Cavill. 
Also, can, I wish. can we just uh, also I'm laying down a rule. No Squadron Supreme. Oh, come on, Nick. Stop it. <laughs> You'll be happy to know, spoiler alert, I don't have any Squadron members on my list. I had to check. Because otherwise I would have ju just gone down the list of Squadron Supreme just members. Supreme. Exactly why I wanted that rule. No <laughs> cheating. Okay, so number... Uh, number um, five. Is that it? Okay, go, go ahead. And then number five, of course, I would have to say is the one, the only... Deadpool. Oh, of course. There you go. There you go. Because it's X Force. X Force. I, I love that one. That, that's a well, good that's one. Quite an excellent list you have there. And Peter. But anyway, and so Nick, you want to go next? All right. All right. I'm. I'm gonna start start my list off with the 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 one hero we're all gonna have on our list, Spider Man. Um, he's just he's literally iconic and. His story, his relatability, all that stuff. My number two is probably going to be the hero that I like more than Spider-Man, Daredevil. I'm a huge Daredevil fan. His story, I love I love the whole lawyer by day, vigilante by night, and like the like also Daredevil is probably the only mainstream superhero where his Christianity is a major part of his character. Like you cannot you cannot have Daredevil not be a Catholic. Like being Catholic is a core part of his character. Thank you, Frank Miller. It's it's one thing you, you can't really separate from him, no matter how much some people might try. And I just love just like the grittiness, all all that stuff. Um number three would have to be the Silver Surfer. There you go. I, I've always He's probably my favorite, like, cosmic character, just because he's he's basically like a Shakespearean tragedy. You know, Galactus wanted to devour his home world, so he sacrificed himself, became a herald of Galactus, and, you know, fell in love with a human woman, and he's kind of forced to be on Earth. You know, he's, he's kind of cosmic Jesus a little bit. I, I just, I really love, like, his, his, his whole thing. That's cool. Speaking I like of that. things. Number four is the thing. Oh man, Nick, it's clobbering time. Of of the Fantastic Four, I think he is the most interesting of the bunch because he is the man that became the monster, and it's just him having to deal with that and all the emotions and all the stuff that that comes with it. It's just really interesting storytelling, and and I, frankly, I love it. And then lastly, um going to be an X-Men character, but there's so many to choose. I'm going to have to go with a villain here. My And this is my favorite villain of all time is Magneto. Magneto, okay. like in all of fiction, Magneto is my favorite villain. Just because he has such a fascinating story, you know, is like Holocaust survivor. You know, he's like the bullied that becomes the bully. You know, he's like, the, I just, you know, it's like I don't know. There's so many ways you can just wrap up and interpret his story, and it really shines a new light upon prejudice, oppression. You know, he he is the oppressed that becomes the oppressor. You know, but like for but but ultimately, in Magneto's mind, he is the ultimate villain that thinks they're doing the right thing. Yeah, he definitely is. Yeah, uh, yeah. Magneto is just a character with infinite layers, 
and I just love dissecting him, which just sounds really weird, and you know, I say it out loud. It's no different than any of the other things you've said on this podcast, Nick. That is fair. So for mine, it's Eladia. I'm about to get even more stereotypical. You ready? My f- number one favorite is Captain America. Now, I have an left. addendum. It's either Steve or Bucky. Either of those two work. Because I like Steve because he's the best leader. I mean, think about it. He's thrown into a new scenario. He's like from the 40s and he wakes up in like in the modern day. I say modern day because sliding time scale, it keeps changing. Bro, we, we all know that Sam Wilson is the best Captain America ever. He's not the best, but anyway. So you have He's the that. only Captain America. He's placed in an interesting like and interesting stories like the Winter Soldier, Civil War, that pretty much because the, the thing about Captain America is that he is the voice of America throughout like all these di- different like times in American history, like with with Civil War, it was it was like the post 9-11 surveillance and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. For Bucky, I like the redemption story that he gets in the Ed Brubaker run where he starts off as the winter soldier. He's this international assassin. He's caused all this horror and carnage, pun intended. But then he becomes Captain America and is given that opportunity to basically atone for what he's done. He even hooks up with Black Widow, which is one of my favorite Marvel ships, but that's besides the point. My next one is the character that Marvel has butchered in recent years. Frank Castle, the Punisher. Okay. I, I, I mean, when you were, say butchered, it, 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 they literally butchered his character. Yeah. See, the thing I like, I like about the Punisher, I love when the Marvel characters are like, okay, we have to take out these guys, but we can't kill them. Frank, can you come deal with this? They're like, no, 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 Frank. no. It's even better. It's like, we can't kill them all the time here. Boom. <laughs> you were saying or it's like that one thor meme where it's like starter is like you can't kill me and then uh, captain america's like yeah yeah you're right no i can't but he could and then frank comes out the corner but i i gotta say one of my favorite moments from daredevil season two is like the whole like you know not killing stuff and like daredevil's like okay fine this one time we'll do it your way he's like dude and he, he actually doesn't let daredevil kill because he knows, like, once you do it, you've ever tainted your soul. And it just, like, he, like I love that. And at the well, end, that, the that Punisher pun- is the one who kills him. And, yeah. and it's like, ah, oh, sorry. Plus, that entire Punisher show is incredible. Talk about Marvel shows finally capturing the essence of the character really well and respectfully. I dug that. Number three, Venom. Because uh, it's partly because of the Tom Hardy movie, partly because of Tony Case. Because again, that redemption story. Because when you look at Eddie Brock, he starts off as like a full-on supervillain, and essentially it goes on to where, to where he becomes like more of an anti-hero, leaning toward hero. So I, I like when Marvel does that when they give this the, the characters a sort of a redemption story. I'm, I, I so I imagine you like your protectors to be quite lethal. lethal. I love we're in Let There Be Carnage, but we will cover the Venom movie soon. I love in, in uh, Let There Be Carnage when uh, Venom keeps wanting them to be called the Lethal Protector, and then Venom and then Eddie goes, "That's so '90s." <laughs> I love that. My fourth is an X Men character, but it's not a man. It's Emma Frost because oh, interesting. What's cool about her and 
I didn't like the first class version of her, but granted, it was the villain version of her, but we never got to I'm see sorry, her I'm sorry, but like January Jones cannot act her way out of a paper bag. Yeah, I was I was not digging. I was like, you couldn't have picked a better actress to play Emma Frost. But, but see, the thing I like about Emma Frost is that she's one of those morally ambiguous characters, but does it really well. And the cool part about Emma is that Actually, currently, she's actually tied up with Iron Man is that they're married because they're trying to take down like this anti-mutant dude. So you have that. She also has this occasion where she when she joins the X-Men who's doing Grant Morrison's run, ironically drawn by Ethan Van Skyver, speaking of the devil. But um, you she kind of goes through like this, maybe because again, she starts off as a villain that becomes a hero. It's a it's a common theme with like a lot of the Marvel characters I like is that I like those really good redemption stories that they have. And we'll talk about that when we get to part two of the episode. But uh, number five is Iron Man. Because, again, I mean, granted, Tony Stark is a bit of an a-hole because he's Tony Stark. But the thing I like about Tony is he's basic. he's basically... He's Marvel's Batman in terms of like the being rich and having a solution to everything, but they give him a weakness as opposed to making an iron God where they make it where like he has kind of a self-esteem issue and he kind of still struggles with alcoholism. So they kind of temper the whole Bat God thing really well, I think, with Marvel. with Iron Man. Yeah, like Iron Man 2, they tried to do Demon in the Bottle. But it was so like watered down and toothless, it just kind of didn't work. Yeah, I'm talking about more in, in, in the comics, but Iron Man One is still great. But so oh, I like Iron Man Two. It's just it has issues. Me too. It, it, it had. Would you say it has comic issues, Nick? You 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 really stole my playbook. <laughs> yes, I did. So give it back. No. So. Now we're going to transition to talking about. So let me ask you guys this, and and Nick, I'll start with you. Why do you think Marvel characters specifically are are as iconic as they are? Because arguably, I mean, greatly aided because of these successful movies. We'll acknowledge that, but for well, the most I part, mean, it, let's it, let's yeah, take the movies out of the equation because yeah. the Marvel characters were iconic even from their outset in the sixties. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that that that's really the well that I'm going to go to because when the Marvel characters just first started appearing in the early '60s, you got to remember the comic scene at that time was dominated by by um, by 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 DC, and DC always has DC's like the gods, you know, like the gods among us kind of thing. Whereas Marvel characters have always been relatable. Spider Man is a 16 year old kid; he he can like be, he can beat up Thanos. But he can't pay rent, mm-hmm. you know. That's you know the Fantastic Four. They're superheroes, but they're a family. Thus, they bicker and they and all these like Daredevil. He's blind. He has uh, all the all that stuff. Like all these characters have either flaws. Like Tony Stark, he's rich, but he's alone. He's an alcoholic. Like literally, the thing that saved his life is killing him. You know, you know, like the pacemaker thing. Mm-hmm. All these or, characters, or like even with Ultimate Iron Man, he has an inoperable brain tumor. The Hulk is Jekyll and Hyde, you know. Mm-hmm. All these characters have these relatable issues, these flaws, these these like 
like, like the quintessential, like the recent Spider-Man is a popular is what I like to call the quintessential Spider-Man story. Spider-Man is is uh, battling the Green Goblin uptown. Meanwhile, downtown, uh, Aunt May is dying from a serum, and Spider-Man has a serum in his back pocket. And if he doesn't get there in fifteen minutes, Aunt May's gonna die. Yeah. You know, like these these kind of these kind of like train tracks kind of kind of stuff. Or mm-hmm. another one where it's like Spider-Man saves a guy, he gets a thousand dollars, and he goes to cash him, be like, "All right, do you have any form of ID?" So you <laughs> can't cash this thousand dollar check. Because, you know, like, it's these kind of things that, like, oh, I could see myself, you know, doing that, let you know, kind of thing. Or, it, it or, always, or it it's like, this. or Nick, it's like you're, you find out that your ex-girlfriend has kids with your, with your supervillain. What? Uh, I, I was making a reference to Sin's past. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, or 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 like let's say uh your your girlfriend dies and then all of a sudden you find out she comes back so you marry her and then you find out she was a, a clone by a supervillain uh after you've had kids with her and and then so you break up and all of a sudden she becomes the goblin queen and causes a thing in Manhattan called the inferno <laughs> yeah Maybe exactly prior. I'm roughly waiting prior but the other thing that I will bring up, and this is partly why Batman is so popular on the DC side, is because mm-hmm. with Batman, he's like just a dude that has stuff. Now, I, what are your superpowers again? I'm rich. I'm rich. But yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, that, that's, but, what I'm, that's what I'm but Hang on, I'm not saying. done yet. The, the, oh. the, the thing about it is that most of the Marvel characters are not like mythical gods. Most are not. They're mostly yeah. just guys that guys that got their powers through legitimate scientific means. So it's like it's it's closer to that you could become this character conceivably. Like that's why I've maintained Batman is kind of a, a Marvel character in a way, and like that's in my opinion that's kind of why Batman is so popular. Is he kind of taps into like that same kind of like appeal that Marvel characters do because. Batman for all of like the whole he could beat so with prep time. All it takes is one goon with a lucky shot and a and a 38 uh, into Batman's special, mouth or chest or whatever, uh, depending on you know or what you know kind of thing. And Batman's dead. Like mm-hmm. all, he's one stray bullet away from dying. At any time, Batman could be killed. You know. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and I it, think that's kept, and then we see Batman bleed. We see him like. Oh, I've got this like shot wound in my chest. I still got to fight on. It's like we love that. We love seeing like the hero. He's injured and he's still fighting. Well, remember he he got his back broken by Bane. And no, I love well, how this no, turned into I, a. See, uh, yeah, I, here's what I don't understand: Why hasn't Batman's back broken again? Because he's literally shouldering the weight of the entire DC universe on his. On his back right now. Yeah, th- there's a joke that that if DC all of a sudden canceled all the Batman books, comic book shops would shut down. I mean, if you look at uh, comic book sales, it's like Batman, Batman, Batman. It's like Batman has like one spot; the rest is manga. Yeah, exactly. So t- uh, now, la- let me ask you th- 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 this, Taladia. Why do you think um, Marvel characters are iconic? 
Well, they've lasted for more than 50 years, right? Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was created by one of the greatest creators of all time, Stan Lee. The greatest mm-hmm. cameo appearances, of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and the fact is that he understood, when creating these characters, he understood how to make them popular. Like, he understood what story to do, and making these characters popular were a thing. Like, remember, you got to remember, in the early days, comics were just starting out, and they, they weren't as popular as how they are now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know I what? mean, if you're talking about Marvel, I, I disagree, because uh, comic books had existed for like 20, 30 years at that point, and they'd already kind of gone through their golden age. Um, like, they had waned during the 50s, but yeah. like it was Marvel that Marvel that brought comics like Marvel ushered in the Silver Age. Yeah, but Nick, remember, while yes, in the character iconic, no one really knew who Iron Man or Captain America were mm-hmm. until like the movies started coming out. Well, yeah. I, I don't know. I I would I would kind of like disagree on that because Iron Man had a cartoon in the nineties that was you know fairly well known. Iron Man was what was yes he was a C list character but he wasn't unknown. Well, what I mean is I always refer to this report that when they were making the Iron Man movie, they had the hard the, the trouble they had with the Iron Man movies convincing the audience during the marketing that he wasn't a robot. I mean, yeah, that's fine. Like, I'm not saying he was the most popular character, but he wasn't like wholly unknown. He wasn't no, like this like he, character he, no one he knew was or more cared about. Like he was more like B minus tier, I think. <laughs> Like you want to make the argument that Iron Man wasn't mainstream? Okay, sure, that that is perfectly fair. But like, uh, in the like general comic book zeitgeist, Iron Man was a known entity. True, uh, but I, I'm saying because here's here's what what I, I'm talking about. Because when you compare him to like Superman, everyone, regardless of comic book knowledge, knows who Superman is. I mean, degree. literally, the top three characters are Superman, Batman, and Spider Man. Those look. That's the comic yeah. trinity. And, yeah, and when you ask exactly. people, like, what, the three most iconic characters, I love how it's two DC characters and one Marvel character, by Suck the way. Suck it, Marvel! <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and, like, people don't realize, it, like, in terms of Marvel characters, it was Spider-Man and Hulk that were, like, two most popular characters yeah. for, like, 40 years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then uh, it's still technically Spider-Man, even though they keep pissing people off. But, I mean, I've heard Ultimate Spider-Man is good, and I have issue two, so I'm going to be sure to check that out. But the the other thing that I... The other reason why I think Marvel... The, the reason why I, I think Marvel is, is iconic... It, again, it gets into that whole Batman thing, because it's easier for people to relate to non-God characters that get the, like this way, it's easier for people to relate to a guy that happens, that builds a suit of armor than it is for them to relate on a superficial level to a, to an alien who gets his powers from the sun. Tony Stark built this in a cave with a box of scraps. I'm sorry. Someone has to make that meme. If Superman legacy does not perform well, it has to be James Gunn going, Zack Snyder was able to build this in a cave with a bunch of scraps. (laughs) Actually, actually, I was going to be, John Favreau built this movie in a cave with a box of scraps. That's Hamada. That's Hamada. Uh... But, uh, but the, the other thing, yeah, so so it's more of the group is more like 
it, the characters are more like superficially relatable just superficially because obviously you anyone if you actually look you can relate to superman wonder woman the flash green lantern but i'm saying from a general audience member that doesn't read comics you're gonna be able to relate more to like spider-man or iron man per se because yeah to your point nick everyone's had that day where everything's where one great thing happens to you. Like you win a thousand dollars, something like that. And then like 18 bad things happen because that basically sums up an issue of Spider-Man. It's like, yeah, relatability is is key. Yeah. They did this one. They did this one where Peter has the world going on for him. He's like, uh, at a high position at the at the uh, at, at his newspaper, and then it turns out, and then he gets accused of plagiarism because a lot of his research was written when Otto Octavius was in his body. <laughs> yeah, and like uh, relatability is the key thing because like we might have problems relating to, you know, being the last son of Krypton and fighting Darkseid, uh, but you know, let, let's say we're a sixteen-year-old kid and like, oh, I want to get girls and. Oh, I'm just trying to do what I can, and like the bully keeps doing. Like we're gonna relate to the Spider-Man stuff, or or to Daredevil, or even the X-Men. You know, X-Men are a little bit more higher on like the the totem pole in terms of like uh, problems, but like even like the prejudice stuff, because because X-Men have always been a a a, a kind of symbol for all prejudice. You know, whether all whether it be prejudice, black religion, LGBT, it, it is a marker for all sorts of prejudice. And everyone has experienced some form of oppression at some point in their lives. And so we watch X-Men and we watch the things that they, they do and we're like, we can, we can feel it. Yeah, exactly. Because again, I, this is why I always say the X-Men did that stuff well. Because uh, at least under Claremont, it, wa- uh, it was like general enough that because we've all felt othered for any reason. Any reason, race, gender, sex, political affiliation, hell, it doesn't matter. We've all felt like we don't fit in at some point. The X-Men show is that you can take that uniqueness and turn it into a strength instead of a weakness. Yeah. And that's where the whole... And that's where the whole gaslighting of the X-Men have always been like political and woke falls out because the difference is it wasn't like it's this and you're wrong if you don't if you disagree or, or you don't see it my way. That's well, what the woke part is. See the see the problem is uh the it didn't get political onto the Claremont run. I think we can kind of agree on that. But it, even yeah. then, the politics of like the 70s, 80s, 90s, even 2000s is not the politics of the day, the way they present it, the way they make their arguments. I mean, we 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 did a whole comics watch episode about this. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's 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 not it's not that it's not the argument is not oh X Men has always been political. The argument is X Men didn't beat you over the head with it and be like oh if you have to believe this otherwise you're that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It was like you could have some disagreements, but uh, now let me ask you guys this: uh, mm-hmm. Who is your least favorite Marvel character? Deadpool. Really? Why? Okay, to clarify, I it's not that I, it's not Deadpool himself that I dislike. It's his fan base, or at least the fan base of the 2010s, because 
the, the Deadpool fan base currently is not the, the Deadpool fan base of the 2010s. Because the Deadpool fan base of the 2010s was so freaking insufferable. You know, nowadays they're they're better. Um, but like Deadpool is just one of those like, oh, Deadpool can beat it. Like Deadpool can beat it. It's, I think this is kind of like when any character is like really popular. People would be like, oh, Deadpool can beat anyone. Deadpool's the greatest. Also, you know, it's just like, oh, I'm chaotic, lol. It's just, I don't know. Well, remember, anyone, uh, Batman can beat anyone. Yeah, and even that's that's cringy. Like, yeah, De- Batman can pull pull above his weight to a massive degree. When it, when even if even prep time and his intellect, I love I love the dark side moment. But Batman is not invincible, and that's the appeal of his character: the fact that making him invincible makes him boring. When, when, why do people not get that? The fact that Batman can be shot, killed, beaten, and all that stuff. Make, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's all good. It's all good. But it's I thought Jared would be like, oh, no, not again. Well, remember, that is exactly the reason why I don't want him to fight Dr. Manhattan, because that, that would end in, like, two seconds. I'm sorry, but, like, if, like, if Ozzy, if Ozzy, if, if, if Ozzy Mandius couldn't outsmart Dr. Manhattan... I don't think Batman could, because Ozymandias is like basically Batman level intellect. Well, Doctor Manhattan could just snap Batman out of existence, or he could like move the bullets that are shot the Waynes like two inches away, so so they don't get killed. Or or or, or, or he'd be like, so Batman, I hear you like bats, and then he just turns turns uh, Bruce into a, a bunch of bats. Abacabatra, or how, however the the line goes. Just just go, please. It's my show, dude. It's my show. You're in my house now, where Zoe's is canon. Wait, what? Zoe's is the name of my General Zod Lois Lane ship because they, if if ever there are two characters whose personalities align, it's General Zod and Lois Lane. Boy, you really are heading in a new direction there. Oh yeah, I have to talk to Jay Heat about doing a joke episode about that. But um, April Fool's Day. Yeah, that'll be fun. So. I think, and the thing about it is like going back to what Taladia said about uh, Stan Lee creating these characters or co-creating them more accurately, is yeah. that a lot of it was he again. It's the world outside your your window. But again, here's here's a here's another cool thing about Spider Man because DC pioneered the idea of the teenage sidekick you know, the, uh, again with like Robin and stuff. But what yeah. Mar- but what Marvel did. With Spider Man, they made it so the sidekick is act is, is not a sidekick. He's the actual. There's a teenage hero. So you're saying the teenage he's he's uh he's quite the titan, isn't he? Yeah, kind of. But Jerry uh, knew way, that was coming. By the way, I love where Yuri Rosenthal was like, "Yeah, they're not gonna get rid of Peter Parker in the Spider Man game. He's not. He's not staying permanently in in retirement." I'm like, "Oh, really? We we didn't know that." I mean, I, I always knew like that story was clickbait, which is why I never really engaged with it. Um, but yeah, come on. Like, you want to give Miles some more screen time, sure. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't like. I, I think they they might be doing a superior Spider-Man storyline, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, that's another. But that's another thing. It's like Marvel also has those stories where, again, they have because when you think about it, Otto sh- Otto Peter should have been like the one of the most dangerous villains, but instead he's like, no, I'm gonna be a better Spider-Man than Peter Parker ever was. I'm gonna be a better hero. He's gonna be a 
Superior Spider-Man. Yeah, I will be superior. It's kind of funny because I was reading uh, the Jonathan Hickman Avengers run, and it's taking place during that period where Otto is Peter. So all of a sudden, you, you, Spider-Man will show up, and he's like talking to someone like he's Shakespeare, and he's like, I have no need for your interference. And I'm like, the hell is this? And then I found out later that's actually Otto, and I'm like, oh, that makes sense. That was yeah. also when they had Superman slash Hyperion on the Avengers. So, <laughs> mm. although that's my problem with Marvel when they take characters from DC and like make their versions of them, they really like copy and paste, like with the Squadron Supreme, where Power Princess comes from a, a paradise island of only women. And if you looked at the modern design, it's literally Black Armor Wonder Woman. So there you go. And to be fair, that's not the only character. Like, you know, they, they definitely ripped off Green Arrow for Hawkeye. Well, it's kind of kind of funny is that one of the earliest Under Two Capes episodes that Lad and I did is we counted up how many characters Marvel has ripped off from DC and vice versa. Spoiler alert, Marvel ripped off more. But DC has ripped off its character. DC has ripped off, but I'm like Marvel. Like for example, Aquaman is is a rip off of Namor. He is Namor. He is he's a better version of Namor because he's not an a hole. Uh, that's the other character. Him and Captain Marvel. Uh, let me put this way: Namor is the lowest lane of Marvel, in my opinion. Oh, I actually saw this like one panel where it's like it was like a Shazam comic, like say my name, Captain Mar. No, 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 not that one. <laughs> I love that one. But, but but yes, in my level of hatred, Namor is the cap, is the lowest lane of Marvel. Get it right, yeah. Jared. Lowest the problem lane, I have yeah. with Namor is they don't know how to write him. Is he a hero, anti-villain, vil hero, villain? It's like it's like they it's like he's whatever they want him to be, and they always do a bad job of it. Just pick one thing. Like have him be a villain, have him be an anti-hero. Like if he's an anti anti anti-hero. A lot of the actions kind of make sense. He's a villain. A lot of the action makes sense, but trying to like, like bipolar it, just it, you know, like they literally came up with the lore reason why he acts so differently. Is like, uh, different time spent between the ocean depths and the surface makes him irrational. It's like, come the frick on. Well, it's also the problem that I really have with him is that he's an a hole. He's practically he's always coming on to other people's women, and I'm like. That violates the bro code, dude. I'm I'm sorry. You 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 are a d bag in that case. Yeah, he is a massive d bag of a character. But um, yes, l l l I, I know it's a lot. Yes, <laughs> thank you for correcting to Lois Lame. Now, here's the other thing I want to talk about. Why do you guys think the Marvel movies for the first uh, up until, to be clear, up until Endgame, were like as big a hits as they were? Two words, Kevin Feige. Um, uh, the, basically, the reason why is they had a clear vision of what they wanted to do. And also, they had the studio's faith. You, you know, like, because Kevin Feige, he had already cut his teeth on, like, the X-Men movies and a lot of this stuff. So he already had the experience. But also, he had a vision, and he came at it with a love from the source material. But they also, at the same time, he had the faith from Disney to do it. So he, not only did you have someone with the talent, the vision, and the skill to pull it off, you had the studio backing him. So it's it's, it's, it's those two things that allowed it to shine. Now, 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 to be fair, Marvel was kind of a success from the get-go. 
So so when like because that Disney didn't buy it until the end of phase one. So yeah. by the time Disney was already buying a successful ship, you know they already had a like Marvel was already a well-oiled machine. You could Disney say they bought, bought a super wonderful ship. Fluff off. So like Disney had no had no incentive to rock the boat. They're like, all right, you guys are already successful. This adventure film's gonna make billions. So just keep what you're doing. And so like the success train just kept on rolling. So Disney had no reason to interfere. In fact, they had every because the biggest problem in phase two was that uh Marvel was still under Marvel Studios and Ike Perlmutter, um well nowadays we realize he was kind of gatekeeping, but but also at the same time he held back the Black Panther, he held back Black Widow. And so they basically took him and made Marvel Studios his own entity. They literally gave Kevin Feige more power to do what he wanted. And I think that's what allowed Phase 3 that was, 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 I think was a lot better than Phase 2. Uh, and, and Infinity War Endgame is just like the ultimate conclusion of the story saga. Say what you want to bit, what build on after that, but like the run of Iron Man to Endgame is legendary. Like that is, that is like a, a, a that is like... What, that will go down in history as one of the most iconic run of movies ever. Yeah, it will. In terms of film history. Now, Taladia, why do you think the Marvel movies did so well? Well, obviously, Kevin Feige, that's the first thing, because he well, obviously was a producer mm-hmm. uh, for before he did the MCU, right? Mm-hmm. And I believe as well, with the popularity of some of the characters like Spider-Man and X-Men, with two popular IPs, like Spider-Man, everyone was asking for a Spider-Man film for decades, mm-hmm. and we finally got one, and it turned out to be great with Sam Raimi. Oh, and, we're, we're mostly talking about the MCU here. No, but he's uh, building up to that. Oh, yeah, well, I, I apologize then, sorry. Yeah, I'm building up to it. So because of that, it built on like fans trusting Kevin Feige to do the character justice for when Iron Man came around because nobody was expecting Iron Man to be as a greater hit as what it was. And no, because again, the there were, there were news articles when Iron Man was coming out that says Marvel rolls out the B-team. Yeah. I, I mean, to be that. fair, that's all they had the rights to because I don't know if you've like looked at the history. Um but like, they, like all the rights to all their other characters are tied up with other studios. This is all the people they could they could do. And Marvel literally ha- like had to bet the farm. Like they put up the rights to like Captain America and a couple other characters as collateral in order to get a loan to bankroll the studio. So if Iron Man failed, Captain America and Thor, I think maybe a few other characters, they would have lost the rights to those characters. Like this was a huge gamble they did. I mean, it paid off, but like they were risking a lot. And, and in fact, technically, it was an indie film because it, uh, the, the, it was going, let's make our own movies. Let's see if this works. It worked. Yeah. So, uh, and plus, they, you, they picked an actor who himself was a risk because Robert Downey Jr. was a risk back then, like severe risk. And then it just turned out well. I actually had a cousin that goes, you know, I don't think Robert Downey Jr. plays a good Tony Stark. And they were like, have you read the comics? It's pretty much Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, yeah. Like Robert Downey Jr. and Captain America is is basically right up there with Christopher Reeves, man, Hugh Jackman, Wolverine. I mean, I, I do think Chris Superman. Evans is 
Yes, I, I and I do think Chris I do think Chris Evans is a good Captain America, but he's not as like attached with the role. Like it's not as like mm-hmm. you know you know what I'm saying. Yeah, and uh, despite Brie Larson's uh, um, acts, we we will never associate her with Carol Danvers. No. And it, well, uh, uh, quick, quick, quick aside. What other what other actors, uh, modern day in the comic book space, do you associate with like certain heroes? Like Ben Affleck with Batman, Michael Keaton with Batman, Ryan Reynolds with Deadpool. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds, Reynolds with Hal Jordan. Jordan. What? Uh, I don't know Ryan Reynolds and Hal Jordan. That's more of a joke. I don't, you know. Mm-hmm. What's a lot of you? Henry Cavill with Superman. Okay. Uh, Z- Zack Snyder uh, as a director who can direct anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Patrick Stewart as Professor Xavier. Yes. Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Yeah, we mentioned that. Um, I'm talking about like uber iconic, where it's like you can't think like it's like the role and the character are so intertwined. Like you know, Topher Grace's Venom. I'm only kidding. <sighs> Toby, Toby I, I, don't, I don't think I don't think any of the Spider Men, like Toby and uh, Spider Man, kind of, but like just so attached to that role. It's just like like we're still talking about Christopher Reeve as Superman, even though he's been dead like 20 years at this point. You know, Arguably, the Spider-Man that I see most talked about is actually Garfield. Yeah. But uh, Gal Gadot is Wonder Woman, obviously. I think Momoa's yeah. Aquaman. I, I, I don't think Ezra as the Flash, though. I think it's no. more Grant. As much as I want to say I don't like... Uh, Seth and Amel and Green Arrow are kind of intertwined. Which is sad because that's not Green Arrow. That's Batman. That's Bat-Arrow. To be fair, Green Arrow has always kind of been a poor man's Batman to a degree. So no, gonna... but it, uh, it was a little more jokey, though. I don't know. There's been times where he's been more serious, so I, I kind of let it slide. Plus, I don't know. I just think Seth and Amel was a really good actor for that role. But anyway, that's a fantastic qu- question for for the comment section. So everyone put, put below what characters you associate, what actors you associate. Um, Who's your characters. favorite Spider-Man? Who's uh, your favorite Spider-Man? Exactly. Your top five Marvel characters. Go ahead and put it down there. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe, subscribe to all these fine gents. They will be hanging out. So real quick, Taladia, where can we find you? And what have you got coming out on your channel? So you guys can follow me on Twitter at TaladiaPlays underscore and on my YouTube page at TaladiaPlays. I will be doing um, some members video as I'll be talking about the whole DC gaming slate and why now with Suicide Squad Killer Justice League, it's more... It, it's a mess. Let's put it like that. I'll just put it like that. I'll I mean, I, I call that from start. Yeah, but, yeah, know. we got it. We got it. So we'll be talking about that in the video. And I will be doing one more Snyder fans read comics with Jared next week. And then we'll be on our break. And then we'll return in four weeks time for Backer. So stay tuned for that. Hell yeah. Nick, where can we find you? And what have you got coming on your channel? All right. You can find me on my Twitter. Uh, at the Phoenix Press. YouTube just starts the same. Tomorrow for the Friday Night Frenzy. I'll be interviewing a guy who uh, worked on... The classic Nickelodeon episode, Nick Arcade, uh, the guy who kind of made the final challenges. So that, that'll be kind of interesting. And then he's also got this uh, cool uh, video game he's working on called City of Titans. That'll be pretty sweet. And then uh, on Saturday, I'll be doing uh, my Pokemon playthrough. I'm uh, going to be trying to go defeat the fire guy, Blaine. 
And then next week is special because it's Teen Titans week. So what we'll be doing is uh, on Monday, we got Rewatch. We'll be be premiering the first episode of Teen Titans Rewatch. And then for later that week on Comics Watch, we'll be reviewing Teen Titans Volume 1, the first eight issues of the Marvel from George Perez run. So that'll be uh, pretty sweet in my opinion. Yeah, it will. So in terms of for me, by the time this released, I would have already done my uh, my re-interview with Hojo. So that's the, that'll be on the channel. Movie night, we're talking about Kick-Ass. So that's going to be a Kick-Ass time. CLD, we're going to be talking about the new Superman logo and various other topics. And Super Wonder Legacy, Britt and I will be having a debate with Jay Heat. So anyway, stay heroic, everyone. And we'll see you in the next one. Remember, Lois Lane is Lois Lame, and General Zod belongs with Lois Lane.